Please turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3. Yes, we are finally getting to verse 2 today. And we'll just be reading verse 2 today. <laughs> okay. We will reference verse 1, but just for a moment. But in verse 2, the Apostle John writes, he said, Beloved, now we are, the, we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, there is some tremendous revelation in this verse, the nature, nature of which, again, I just believe points to the fact that this was probably written after the Apostle John's time in heaven. Did I get that right? I think I got that right, didn't I? All right, okay. Uh, and that's why I feel like it really requires a closer look. He saw a fair few things up in heaven, I believe. And um, I just, I believe that he just wanted to get that across to us. If he could just bring it down and write it down so that we get a hold of it, so that we can walk and live a life that is far above this natural realm. See, that's the problem we're having. We're still stuck to this realm. We need to break away from it. Everything that I'm preaching to see, <laughs> let, let me just take a minute here. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you know, I keep looking at things, and, I, and I, one of the things that I keep saying to God is, can we not just deal with some natural things, some, just some normal things in life? Because what he seems to be giving me is so far up there, you know, I sometimes con I'm concerned that I lose people. Can I just be honest with you? You know, people sort of coming to the church saying, oh, you know, he all, all he talks about is glory balls, you know. And <laughs> we're going to be talking about that today, <laughs> so to speak. And, you know, that, that we're, you know, so heavenly minded that, that we're no earthly good. That kind of a deal. You all know what I'm trying to say? Okay. And, you know, I keep praying over that. And the Lord just keeps bringing me back to the fact that if we don't ever understand that we are seated together with him in heavenly places, we're going to continue to be stuck down here and allow the circumstances here to dictate how we live our life. We're not going to be living up there. We're going to be living down here. I said to you last time that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. See, that is a real key thing. The problem with a lot of Christianity today is still it's, it's in the world. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And so the whole thing just seems to revolve around, well, these are the limitations. This is what we can do. This is what we can't do. Whereas at all the time the Bible says all things are possible. If you can believe, you can do the impossible. Are you all with me? And that's really what I'm trying to do, family. I'm trying to unstick you. Okay, every message I preach, and this, this is a message I've been given by God. This is my lot in life. It's not a lot, but it's a lot. No. <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> I'm just letting you know, you know, there is a purpose to all of this. And I, I believe that the Apostle John really brings it out. And I believe that God wants us to study this for that reason. He really was the one apostle they just couldn't kill. Do you understand why? Because he understood that his life was somewhere else. He understood that just like Jesus who said, you know what, nobody can kill me. I will put my life down. I will take it up. Nobody else can come and take it from me. 
We as Christians, see, I, I believe the Apostle John got that revelation as well. He just decided you can cook me in oil, you can do whatever you want. I'm not dying until I'm ready to go. You know, when you can't kill somebody, the, the last thing you do is throw him on an island somewhere. You know, because you can't kill him. Do you understand? So you take that body and put it somewhere else, except the Lord comes and takes him to heaven and gives him the whole book of Revelation. <laughs> see, you can't, see, when you're with God, you just can't lose. Do you understand? And so that, that's really why I'm bringing this to you and why we're dealing with this uh, epistle in so, so much detail. All right, and why I'm saying I, I'm not in a big hurry to get through it, but let's get on with it. But, but the reason why you guys need to get this is so that, again, you need to begin to get to the place where you are so heavenly minded that you can change everything in this earth to something good. There, I changed the saying. Did you get that? Amen? Okay. So, beginning with the first part of verse 2. As opposed to verse 1, where the Apostle John had said that it was God's love lavished upon us that resulted in us being called the children of God. Here now, in this verse, he goes on to state definitively, beloved, now we are children of God. Do you, understand, do you see the difference here? First of all, he, he said, what a privilege to be called the children of God. In this verse, he says, you know what? Right now, we are children of God. You see the difference now? There are subtle differences, but there are differences. And we need to understand, not only should we be called children of God, we should be living it out right now, in this life, in this time. Not when we get to heaven. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? A lot of Christianity has been put off to heaven. They see all the amazing things and they say, well, when we get to heaven, it's going to be awesome. It will be awesome. Okay. But the thing is, it can, be, it can start to be awesome here. Are you all here? And, but the only way that we are ever going to get to that place is if we begin to renew our mind. Start to change the way we think. And that's what all of this is about. Is to help you change the way you think. Are you ready? In his commentary, I. Howard Marshall writes, John emphasizes that those whom God names as his children really are such. Okay? The new birth is a reality. Now, remember again that the new birth was best explained in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to go look at that, verses 17 and 18. I keep making reference to it, but today I want to see it. Can we look at it? You'll see why in a minute. All right? Remember again, it says, 2 Corinthians 5, beginning verse 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. A new creation no longer is bound by the old rules. Can I say that again? Okay, because that's the problem we're having. Okay? <laughs> As a new creation, you are no longer bound by old rules. We almost need to say that, you know, right now. As a new creation, say it out. As a new creation, I am no longer bound to old rules. Now get this, which means that all the things that says you can't do something no longer applies to you. Amen. Which means we have a right now. The way we change that, I've said this to you before, and this is like a two-second version of it, okay, is with your mouth. All right? You begin to confess things in your life, and they will start to change. And you need to do that. You need to make that confession. 
it won't be without opposition. Hello. Okay, because the devil doesn't want you to get anything at all. But that doesn't mean that you don't do anything. Don't ever get, you know, don't ever come to the place where you say, well, we've tried that before. Because that's, that's, the, that's the rhetoric he uses. You've tried it before. It didn't work. What makes you think it's going to work now? Hey, all it does is take one time for it to work. One time. And then you're on the other side. Get it to work. Amen? Persist. All right. So he says here, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. And this in the original Greek, the, the meaning behind it is it is something that never existed before. Since it didn't exist before, catch this now. That's why I said the old rules don't apply to it because it never existed before. All those rules are put into place for what existed. That's why you need to get when Jesus says all things are possible to him that believes. Amen? And Philippians tells us, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All these verses tell us that in Christ, there are no limitations. The only limitations are the ones that we bring in. This is what it says here. Therefore, if, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have passed away. I've said this before, let them go. Don't let old thinking stop you from going forward. Are you all here? That's why the Apostle Paul said in Colossians, he said, I press toward the mark, forgetting all those things behind me. You need to forget some things, family. Don't carry things with you because they seem to pull you back. Are you all here? You need to forget something. You know, the Apostle Paul got to the place where, you know, basically he got to, to where he had forgotten what he had done to Stephen. Remember Stephen? That was a preaching dude, man. And he healed and did all sorts of amazing things, okay? And got him killed. He said, at one point in time, I have wronged no man. Do you know why? Because he realized all things have passed away. Everything that the enemy did in his life no longer applies to his life now. Are you all here? And that's really where we need to move forward from. We need to pick. Can I just say something else? Do you know what the miracle of all of this is? Because you, you, I know somebody's thinking there. Yeah, but what if I got saved? And then I did some really bad things. First John 1, 9. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. Forgive us of all sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness so that you get back to a place of perfection that you were at when you first got born again. Are you all with me? So the record keeps getting cleaned. So everything that the devil tries to do gets wiped clean as long as you acknowledge your sin. You know, the word confess isn't actually the word confess. It's literally acknowledge. You know why, right? Because God already knows. You don't have to ever confess to him. And, you know, he's not like one of them little fathers in the boots. Okay? <laughs> Father, for I have sinned. It's been six days since my last confession. No, I'm not a Catholic. I just know that stuff. Okay? <laughs> I can do the Hail Marys and the Our Fathers quick better than anybody, man. Anyway, I had a, I had a cousin, you know, uh, who, was, who was Catholic. So we would have races in how fast we could say it. Sometimes I would win. Anyways, so <laughs> you know, but listen. You know, you, you don't have to sit there and say, you know, I've done this. And he goes, gosh, you did what? None of that's a problem. God knows. That's why if we acknowledge our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, cleanse us of all, right, all unrighteousness, and we're back to all things are new. 
and all things are of God, which is what the rest of that verse says, 2 Corinthians, amen, 5.18. Now, we need that to be true in our life. We need to get to the place where all things are of God so that we can walk a life that reflects that. Are you all here? And as you get further into this, and we're going to look at this today, as you get further into this, what, one of the things that will happen is the Bible describes us as eagles. That we mount up on wings as eagles. You know, eagles are very interesting birds. They, they don't just fly. They can lock their wings and glide. And they generally go over storms. It's an amazing thing they can do that. So they don't, they're not with the other birds get stuck in the storm and rained on. Well, all, everybody else is getting wet. They're, in the, you know, they're dry up there while the storm is going. Do you understand? We can be in a position while everything is going bad, a thousand may fall at one side and 10,000 at our right hand, but it won't come close to us. Amen. Only if we allow this to set us free. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. And can I add, the truth you know will set you free. Amen? Not just the truth set you free. The truth you know sets you free. That knowing is revelation. That's something that happens on the inside of you. That's something that explodes on the inside and you think, you know what? I don't have to live this way anymore. Let's get back to our message. All right? <laughs> so... This again is what happened when you received Jesus Christ as Lord and when you were born again of incorruptible seed. That's in 1 Peter 1.23. You were born again of incorruptible seed. I'm drawing your picture here to let you know that all things have passed away. There's nothing in your future that holds you back except your memories and you. Whatever the devil can use in your life that you allow him to use. Do you get what I just said? The devil can't use anything in your life that you don't allow him to. If you allow him to, he'll use it. As soon as he does that, he'll limit you. As soon as you become limited, then you get to the place where you become like everybody else. We need to break from that. Amen? Okay. So let me read this again. So this is again, all things are of God. Is what happened when you received Jesus Christ as Lord. We're born again of incorruptible seed. And were literally recreated and transformed into God's child. That's how he became, you are now children of God, okay? And why the apostle John says that we are right now God's children now. Goes on to add in the latter half of verse 2. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. In other words, the apostle John says that as God's children... There's an extraordinary future, future change that is yet to come. All right? It has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Okay? All right. And the thing that triggers this change is that when he is revealed, we shall see him as he is. So that's what's going to trigger the change. When he is revealed, we're going to see him as he is. That is going to do something to us. And at that monumental moment in time, we shall finally, okay, be pure, perfect, and glorified just like him. We're going to be just like him. See, now we need to understand what just like him means. All right? Thomas F. Johnson writes, There will be a transforming vision at the return of Jesus 
which believers will uh, in which believers will be purified of all that still separates them from complete likeness to Christ. Oh, I like that. Complete likeness to Christ. We're going to look at that. What does that complete likeness include? All right? One of those things have to do with God's wisdom and compassion. All right? Now, there are always going to be difficult situations in our life. How do we deal with them? Remember the woman that was taking adultery? You know, Jesus is having a Bible study. All right, he's teaching the Word of God. And these people come in with this woman taken in adultery in the very act. You know, that law required uh, two people. Have you all noticed you can't do adultery by yourself? There's other things you can, but that one, that one takes two people. Are you all here? So what's the problem in here? They're using the word adultery and bringing one person. So that was wrong. What is, in other words, what happens when something is presented to you that you know isn't right? There is an injustice just in the way that it is presented to you. And then you are asked to make a judgment over something that you already can see is unjust. How does Jesus show us his wisdom? What's the first thing he says to the whole crowd? Because they said, what should we do? They were trying to make him make a decision about whether he stones her or not. Watch what he does. Do you know what? He was the only one by law that should have been able to stone her. Because he's perfect. Okay? But he, a perfect person won't do that. So what does he do? Uh, this is found in verse... Uh, this is, I'm in John chapter 8 verse 7. He, he throws out and he says, I'm not going to stone her. Let's see which one of you want to stone her. I'm, <laughs> you want to throw it on me. I'm throwing, back, throwing it back on you. Watch what he does now. And he says, who, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. He says, I'm not going to do it. You do it. Except you need to be totally sinless before you do that. Because it's a sin to judge somebody when you've sinned. And guess what? If they threw it, they just sinned. <laughs> Cute, isn't it? That's very clever when you think about it. He threw him something he, they couldn't work. Can you see the wisdom in that? Now watch the compassion. Okay? We'll go to verse 10. Everybody gets up and walks off. I mean, well, well, they were standing. I don't care. Whatever, they walked off. There's nobody there. He <laughs> so he, Verse 10, he says, woman, where are those accusers of yours? He's asking her now. Who's accusing you? Has no one condemned you? Let's read verse, eight, uh, verse 11. And she said, no one, Lord. Did you see what he did? He says, who is now condemning you? She said, no one. Did you see the freedom there? N now, there, therefore, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. And remember, we're talking about wisdom and compassion. All right, here's the compassion. And, he, and Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. But here's the wisdom. Go and sin no more. Don't do this to yourself again. And this is not good. That was all the counseling she got. 
Another example of being like him. Let's move on. In Matthew chapter 22, when the religious leaders were trying to trick him in relation to paying taxes. You all remember that? It said in verses, I want to read this, in verses 15 uh, through 22, Matthew 22. It says, then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. Uh, the New Living Translation puts it a little bit better when it says, trap Jesus into saying something for which they could accuse him. Okay? All right. They entangled him in his talk. Anyway, verse 16. <laughs> and they sent to him, here's their first mistake, their disciples. They didn't go to him. They sent to him, what was it? Their disciples. With the Herodians. See, this is kind of like a political group. The reason they send him in with this political group is because of the question they're going to ask him, all right? They say, teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth, nor do you care about anyone, for you don't regard the person of men. Can you see how they're, they're slithering into this? Oh, you're so amazing, and we know you don't care what anybody thinks. So having buttered you up, Let's ask you this question. <laughs> Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Remember the Herodians are with him. It, that's from Herod. You know Herod? Herod? Okay, all right. Go ahead. He says, therefore, what do you, tell us what, what you think, all right? He says, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Can you, I want you to notice, they didn't just say, is it lawful to pay taxes? Do you notice they said, lawful to pay taxes to Caesar, our enemy? The, the person that's making life miserable for the Jews. Are you getting this? Because we have a Jewish crowd. See, so they're, by putting the name in, they're saying, is it allowable? Should we be paying taxes to that guy? You can pay taxes to somebody else, but not that guy. Are you are you're getting that? Okay. I need you to get this because there's something going on here. And he, so he says, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Verse 18. Matthew 22, 18. But Jesus perceived their wickedness. Do you see that? This is a wicked thing that they're doing. They butter him up. We know you hear from God. We know you're amazing. Ooh, okay. And we know you don't care about nothing. Now, let me ask you a question. Okay. <laughs> when people start like that, be on guard. They're trapping you. This is how the devil, remember? What are the two things? Subtlety, deception. The devil is known for subtlety and deception. You be careful when people start talking to you a certain way. If it feels a little bit fake, that's the Holy Spirit telling you it's fake. Amen. So Jesus perceived their fakeness, okay, their wickedness, and said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Oh, he didn't care about, oh, you're wonderful. Oh, shut up. Basically, is what he said, all right? He said, why do you test me, you hypocrite? Verse 19, watch this. This is brilliant. He says, show me the tax money. He says, show me, all right? So they brought him a denarius, verse 20, and he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? So he's holding it up. He's showing them something. He's saying, whose image an inscription is this. And they're like, oh, we didn't expect you to go in this direction. He's giving a visual lesson there, okay? <laughs> okay? And they said to him, Caesars. Do you get it? What was their question? Is it lawful 
to pay taxes to Caesar. He takes a coin, shoves it in their face, and says, whose face is on this? Well, that's Caesar's. Right, okay. Get it? And he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, because he made it, he can have it back. (laughs) Hello? You know, they weren't printing money, because that'd be funny money. The government prints the money. Give it back to him. All right? Anyway, he says, he says, Render unto Caesar, therefore, the things that are Caesar's. See, he's using that name because they didn't talk about taxes. They said to Caesar. Do we pay taxes to Caesar? So he's saying, Caesar made this. Give it back to me. All right? And to God, the things that are God's. Or that belong to God. Now, anyway, verse 22, before I talk about it. When they had heard these words. Now, who's hearing these words? The Herodians and the disciples of the Pharisees that are putting. Okay, so you need to get this. It wasn't the Pharisees. The disciples are hearing this. When they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. They were like, wow, we've never heard this before. Our rabbis didn't ever do this. I just blew that one. I mean, just hit that one right out the park. Amen. Now, catch this if you can. Okay, what has the Bible told us about tithes and offerings? That they're gods. Remember he said, you've robbed from me. Okay, remember they said, how have we robbed from you? Because, okay, because of tithes and offerings and so on. Okay, all right. Don't get into bondage. I'm just giving you a lesson here, all right? Okay, so I want you to understand something. There is something that belongs down here that belongs to Caesar, but there's also something down here that belongs to God. Hmm? Remember how the Pharisees, remember when they were praying, the Pharisee was praying, the text was praying, and one of the things the Pharisee says, I tithe and I do all of these things. And even Jesus said, you, you tithe mint and cumin and all your spices, and you neglect the bigger things, justice and mercy. Bunch of hypocrites, <laughs> all right? So he said, he said, you need to do this, but don't leave the other undone either, okay? So he said, yeah, what you're doing is right. So I want you to get something here. When you get money, your money goes two places. That's not you. To the government and to God. <laughs> What's left over, that's yours. Do you understand what Jesus is doing here? He's saying there is a certain amount I'm not going to tell you, you you pay your tithes and offerings, but don't pay the government any taxes. Remember he said, render unto Caesar's that which is Caesar's. What was the question? Do we pay taxes? They didn't ask, do we pay tithes? They said, do we pay taxes? They got the tithe thing down pat, okay? And they like to show off about it, which is very bad, by the way. Anyway, okay. All right. But I want you to notice that he says there's some of it that is natural. Can I rephrase all of this? There's some of this money that's natural and some of it is spiritual. Because remember, you know, I pray over this. I pray when I, you know, over your tithes and offerings, three things, okay? Because God gave me those three things, that the devourer is rebuked so that the money that you have isn't stolen from you, okay? Second thing is that you have 30, 60, 100 fold now in this life, that your bank accounts are full, that your debts are paid off. 
These are the things that you give your tithes for, okay, so that you can get out of debt, so you can live in abundance. And the third thing I pray as well is another thing that Jesus tells us, that you will have treasure in heaven. So there is a certain thing that belongs to God that releases all of those three things. I have to get to the next scripture. Hang on to your seats. Because okay. not only does this transformation affect us internally, but externally as well. I'm going to introduce this and we're going to pick this up next week. What, some of the things, because remember, we're going to be just like him. All right? And what, what, one of the things I wanted to bring out was this side of just like him. That we will have wisdom. We will have compassion. We'll be able to separate things out. We won't let people entangle us in their stupidity. We won't let the devil trick us, condemn us, and keep us down here. Are you all with me? Amen? So you need to understand that there is going to come all kinds of divine insights into the natural realm. About the natural realm and how to deal with things in this realm. Are you all with me? But there's even more. Yes, it's like the steak knives. But wait, there's more. <laughs> okay? And I want to introduce you to the more just with these scriptures. In Romans chapter 8, we looked at these verses before. Romans chapter 8, and, it, and verse 17 and 18, it says, And if children and heirs, remember this? Then, then heirs of God. So these are talking about God's children. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared with the glory of which shall be revealed in us. Oh, there is a glory that is coming. In fact, for all those who are seeking, okay, God and his righteousness, by extension seeking after the Lord right now, especially in prayer, we're going to see this as well. This glorification process has already begun. We see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, where the Apostle Paul says, but we all with unveiled face, we'll see what all that means beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Literally ever increasing glory just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, that's what we're going to get into next. There is a transformation taking place on the inside of us. We are not only born again. We are not only uh, a new creation but there is something from that new creation that it's made, if we allow it, will make its way out. Hallelujah. I'll give you a scripture next week, okay? <laughs> so hang on to your hat. But it will make its way out and that glory will begin to shine through us. And something will happen at that point in time. All that next week. All right. <laughs> We've got to start. Let's have a look at how they bring our clothes, Father. Thank you.